to me, every day is like a field trip. I'm mesmerized by what I discover other people doing. I'm really amazed and fascinated by it. So to me, I feel like I'm forever in third grade going in and learning how a donut's made or a bag of potato chips is made or how somebody goes about writing a record or making a record or we just Friday launched our first toy. We're building a toy. And uh, somebody said to me, why are you doing it? I said, wouldn't you love to build a toy? Sometimes you meet people, and they're regular people, and that's refreshing. There are other people you meet that are a little bit different than regular. They are dynamic, big idea people that are engaging and push the envelope of what you think is okay. They're challenging. They are visionaries. Yep. And I think that that is the category that Ron would fall into. I totally agree, yeah. He's a visionary who is... He's like a high horsepower, high octane engine who's willing to drive hundreds of people into unexplored territory because he thinks that it is a good idea. And he's right. Yeah. So how in the world did you meet Ron, by the way? A blind coffee date, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I had heard from one friend that like there's this guy in in Miamisburg that that he just thought was so cool. And then another mutual friend was like, hey, I think it'd be really great if you guys got together and had coffee. So I didn't have any idea who he was. I just met him at a coffee shop in downtown Miamisburg. And that's, and that's the way that uh, the relationship kind of started. Downtown Miamisburg is fascinating to me because it is a place that at one point in history was thriving. And then it was allowed to kind of deteriorate under the circumstances of, you know, big box stores coming in and kind of driving out small businesses. And in that sense, it kind of represents a lot of, a lot of towns in small town America. The thing about Miamisburg, there's new industry kind of being infused into it. And that was one of the things that really fascinated me about Ron when I met him is, is he is this really high level thinker that really, really imagines a different kind of world and, and imagines that he's a part of restoring something that, that used to be great to its former greatness. And the thing is, that's the kind of thinking that actually causes restoration to happen. And it's happening in Miamisburg and New Creative is a part of it. You know what's uh, really refreshing about Ron? What? He could be doing this from anywhere. He could live in California. He could be living in, you know, whatever city he wants to live in. But yeah. he's chosen to come back home to Miamisburg on purpose to invest in his local community because he thinks that there's something of value there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. This is our conversation with Ron Campbell. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your company? 
Well, my name is Ron Campbell. I'm the president of You Creative. We're uh, kind of an all-inclusive creative idea shop. So people say, what does that mean? Are you branding? Yes. Film? Yes. Goes from a logo all the way to conceiving a building. So we've you know got people that are bringing us plots of dirt and saying, come up with something that people have never done before and do it. So conceiving it, bringing it to life, architecting it, general contracting it, and handing the keys on opening day to the investors. And it really just kind of grew into that because I really don't say no to much. And that's just because (laughs) I look at those who are doing a lot of the shaping of culture in the world, and I think they do it really bad. And so that's not me and my ego going, I'm smarter than you. No, I just think I, I think it's I think I it's worth me giving a shot to it because I think I could do it better. I think my team could do it better. And I think that most of humanity has a creative gene deep with inside that they may or may not ever uncover or discover. And so the same boy when I was little that was laying down and drawing Uh, race cars with smoke flying out of the back. Uh, I still believe that I could design a race car with smoke flying out of the back. And so I tell my team all the time, this is not where I want the story to end. This is where it started. And if you guys say, hey, Ron, let's fold this up and let's go do this or that, I'm up for it. We're sitting in in a room right next to Main Street, Miamisburg, Ohio. People listening to the to the show can probably hear the cars coming by, maybe even the train that's that's uh, passed by a couple times already. So why downtown Miamisburg for a project like this? You know, I remember my mom saying one time, "Just bloom where you're planted. You're running here, you're running there. Just bloom where you're planted. You were put here for a reason." You know, our town was always a sleepy town, yet I saw a couple things happening down here. A couple guys had some vision for some restaurant concepts, and they were, they, were, they were sticky. They were connecting with people. And I thought, maybe I can bring that business component to the town I grew up in that was asleep and add another layer of life and other entrepreneurs be able to see the vision of what you could do with some of these old spaces down here in, in today's day and age. I think it's neat that a lot of t- a lot of cities don't even have an old downtown. You go through this town, there's some homes in here, you go, there was some real commerce going through here at one point. So if I can be part of that revival and bringing energy back to this town, it's pretty cool. I'm the first tenant in our building in, since 1970. That's exciting to me. The other thing that's exciting to me is our building is one of the first 19 properties built to establish the town of Miamisburg, where some guy comes out and stakes a stake in the ground and goes, I, Max Scrimshaw, declare this Miamisburg or whatever. This is one of those buildings that framed up what was the first bit of Main Street. So it's cool to come 200 years later, drop into a space that's been dormant for 40 years and breathe life into it. And at the same time, be something that the town leaders can point to and go, this is the type of business of the future. This is what can happen. And what's really cool is I've got clients all over the country. And when they come here for meetings, they love it here. They love it here. We've got eateries that these are the only places you're going to experience these eateries. You know, I've got one client on the West Coast that intentionally I'm like saying, I'll come to you 
And he's like, no, I'll come to you because I want those ribs or I want that hamburger wagon. I mean, so other people are serving up their own cocaine here in their own way, you know, that make people (laughs) from the West Coast come. So I I think it's got character. I think it's got personality. And I love the leadership of this town. And they've been nothing but supportive to us, always working with our vision. Uh, I've got crazy ideas. And they're always like, yeah, Ron, what's your next idea? Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on the bottom line as a business owner? I'm sure that investing in your community isn't free um, and that you have costs associated with decisions you make and how you behave in relation to people around you. Um, Are there ways that your business has collaborated intentionally with other businesses in place of competing with them? And are there sacrifices that you've made as a company um, to uphold values that maybe have detracted from your overall profitability? I don't think I've ever taken a career move, ever, based on money. Ever. I've never chased money. Ever. My grandfather died at age 83. On his deathbed, I said, give me some wisdom. And he said, okay, here's two things. When I realized what life was all about, it was over. Second thing all my life fighting to be able to buy a steak when I was out, a fancy steak like high rollers that he saw coming up, living his whole life working like crazy to have a fine steak when he went out. He said, when I had the money to buy the steak, I didn't have the teeth to chew it. Doesn't matter how much money's in your bank account. When it gets down to what life's all about, doesn't matter. We've all seen the Tom Cruise film, The Firm. His wife says in the film, after he's made the name, he's made partner in the firm, he's making the money. She goes, I missed what we had back there in that little nasty apartment next to that train that rattled our dishes off the shelf. So to me, that's where my focus has always been. Don't lose sight of those precious moments. When I had my first agency from 93 to 2003 or 92 to 2002, somewhere in that window, I hit a point where my wife said, you look miserable. And I said, that is probably a fair word because I'm the president of the company. I'm making more money than I should be in my 20s. I can't give myself a title change, a better title change. I'm the president. What I had done because of not understanding business, I had consulted a business advisor who said, go after the health business and the death business. They're always booming. I just told you that a little bit ago. But those are not things that made me happy. They made me very sad to work in that world. It was breaking me down. So I had to ditch that business. My wife said, it's not worth it. Get out of it. Get rid of it. Go redream it up again. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here at this, at this point in my life going, um, it, it, I've got to be able. I've got to be able to come home not feeling how I f- have felt in the past, where I feel discouraged or depressed or unfulfilled. I've got to be fulfilled to it. So to me, at that point, that was priceless. That was paramount. How much money in my bank account didn't matter anything. How we've grown you creative year over year is instead of looking at a spreadsheet from a bean counter and going, we grew X amount. We've got to grow X amount next year. This is, this, is, this is how many clients we have to hit and tell the salespeople, this is your quota. It's not what we do. We shut down from Christmas to New Year's to give everybody a break. 
right before Christmas, we have a team meeting. And I said, I want in, in a room like this. And I said, I want everybody to list out the things, the people you want to work with this year. And we create this magical wish list of who we'd like to work with. We create this whole list. And then over break, I kind of set up those dominoes to where one can knock down two, can knock down four, can knock down eight. But I got to get that first one right. And so we opened in 2008, worst economy since the Great Depression, and we grew 20%. Every year, we grew 20% year over year. And then the last four years, we've grown 40% year over year. So you don't have to sit there and be focused on the numbers. You got to be focused on what's going to make everybody content. Can you talk a little bit about family? So I got two questions for you. Can I do that? Yeah, sure. Number one, who are you proud of in your company and why? So maybe a person that comes okay. to mind when I ask that. And then number two, how does family fit into your entire gigantic vision of the universe? When I look at this organization, I'm looking at the people around me and majority of them went through a pretty stringent process to get a gig here. A lot of things were asked of them, to aud- not audition, but to get our attention. Uh, there have been things I've asked of several of them along the way. I see something bigger in you. I need you to dig down and get that bigger version of you. Because there's things you're asking me for today, I want to give you today, but you're not prepared to hold in your hand. But you will be if you listen to what I'm telling you. I've already played this game. Do these steps so my partner will see it. So I know how I got to sell it in the front office. When I look at my team, there are a handful of them that I've asked and challenged great steps that they've taken those great steps. Others haven't. They're just okay with being just that the role they're in. But there are people I've said, I really need you to do this. And if you don't want to, I'm not going to look at you any worse. I can't make you desire something for you that I desire if the desire is not there. But if you desire to go further in this organization, play this position, play this position, play this position, then I can move some pieces around on my side to get you where you want to be. That I'm proud of those people. I'm proud of my partner. My partner is probably arguably my best friend. And we've been together 11 years, known him since the early 90s. If you would have said to us in the 90s, you guys are going to be longstanding business partners, you know, decades down the road, I think both he and I would have said, no, it's not going to happen. But how it all worked out, it worked out that way. And after 11 years, we're closer now than we did early on. That's not traditionally the tale. We've been through so much together that it's beyond business. It is, it is family. This is the first place I've ever brought personal effects. The first agency I had for 10 years, I never even had a picture of my wife on my desk. This is the first place I've ever brought personal effects to where it felt comfortable enough that I felt like I could even come in and move in. Why is that? Maybe it is just because it feels something more than just a work environment. Other places, I never felt like I wanted it to be a forever thing. So I felt like the, if I made that step of bringing personal things in, they it would be like dropping some kind of anchor I didn't want to drop there, even in companies I owned. On the flip side, I have my true traditional real family, my real family. And thankfully, I've got a wife whose dad owned a company just like this 
in the business world. He owned an ad agency. She's familiar with the drill. She's familiar with this industry. So she's pretty much running right in sync with me. I will say this. As we worked to build a West Coast presence, which we have a sales office in L.A., sales office photo studio outside San Francisco and Reading. We had a sales office in uh, down in Nashville, Knoxville, Smoky Mountain area, uh, one down in San Antonio. And building those, that was me kind of doing, laying a lot of those those bricks in the road. To build L.A., it was out there every six weeks for two-week stints with eight to nine meetings a day. It would take me two weeks just to get back to normal life when I got back because I was running so hard. That several years stint of building that West Coast presence and getting our clients and our offices going came with a cost. It does. It comes with a cost. And, uh, you know, my marriage is stronger than it's ever been, more wonderful than it's ever been. But you miss things. You just miss things. I remember coming coming home from a trip, hadn't seen my family for a couple of weeks, and you know they were learning about my life on Facebook. And I was opening the fridge right when I got in from the airport. I was getting a bottle of water or something, and my teenager walked by me, my son, and bumped against me. And I looked over, and the way he tossed his hair, it was the first time I saw a teenager in him. He just tossed his hair like he was Justin Bieber or something, but he carried himself a little bit different. And my wife kind of said, you're missing things. But any of, those big, any of those big stepping out of the boat moments come with a cost to some degree. They always do. And some of them are more than your stomach can handle at times. They just are. None of us get out of this journey unscathed. There's always going to be a point where you're hit by a two by four, or hit by a freight train. It just happens. None of us gets out of this scar free. So again, it's why it's important that you have real relationships around you. So when tough tough times come, you're not out there as an island without anyone to help you. We live in a culture that is very obsessed with planning in terms of dictating what the future is going to be. And as a parent, I feel this pressure every day because everybody around me is is asking questions about what do I want my children to be? Am I setting them up for future? They're going to go to college. They're going to get a good job. They're going to be able to get health care, have an IRA or a 401k, and they're going to be able to work for 40 years and then retire and uh, have, have plenty of money. And that's the track that everybody's kind of on. I'm just curious how you would speak to that mindset that says, like, we're going to kind of manufacture the experience for our children to get this this very safe status quo result. My son is mini me. More spastic, not as focused on what he wants to do, but very creative, probably more creative than me. Both my kids probably are. And of course, he's grown up with a computer. I grew up analog. This is like an extended appendage to him, a laptop and things like that. Knows it in and out in the gaming systems. My gosh, I was happy with just a joystick and a fire button. And he hands me this thing that looks like controls to the space shuttle. And I just hand it back to him, you know. And then when I do play Madden football, I'm just hitting stuff randomly, hoping to connect. I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, the other night I started winning Madden football. And he's like, you, you figured it out. I said, I think I got the algorithm. I didn't even know what I was doing. It was just a fluke. <laughs> it was a fluke win. And... 
Uh, and I was like, be careful the next game. He said, well, I don't want to play anymore tonight. So I accomplished what I was trying to do. But <laughs> <laughs> my dad called me and said, are you concerned about your son and his direction in life? Are you concerned where he's going to end up? I said, Daddy's going to be a rock star. Not a literal rock star, but he's going to dis- leave a mark in a phenomenal way on this planet. I'm not worried. Well, he's not talking about college yet. He's 16. I said, he may never talk about college. Having this 2.2 children, white picket fence, four years of college, you know, do good in school, have an athletic pro, have, have, make sure there's a, some athletics in there you, you can get done. Let this next generation figure out how they are. We already know the millennial does not want to have the million dollar home in the suburbs. They don't want that. They're looking at urban living. They're looking at having, collecting memories and not stuff because they were the kids having the whole nanny and grannies and grandpappies stuff out to some auction house after they were gone. They saw you couldn't take it with them. So I'm sitting there go- I'm sitting there going, you know, this next generation will figure it out. My son is going to do fine. Letting him kind of figure this out is kind of what I had to do. This was me kind of pursuing it and kind of on square wheels like a drunken sailor figuring it out along the way and each thing pursuing what was going to make me most content at the moment. And he work. He comes to when he's not in school, which he has Fridays off. The school he's in, he has Fridays off, which is cool. Fridays, and then during the summer break, he sits right next to me at my desk every day. Every day, my wife kept saying he needs to be in a swimming pool. This is not normal. He needs to be this. He needs to be this. This isn't normal. I said, "What's normal? The people that went through the normal way are weirdos to me." <laughs> I said, "If my teenager, my sixteen-year-old, wants to be with me as much as he wants to be, I want him next to me." He's going to get more by just being around me and, and, and picking up stuff just by osmosis because a lot of what comes out of me every day, my greatest gift is not music. My greatest gift is not my arts and design creativity. It's not that. My greatest gift is my mom and dad are coming out of me every day, all day long. Do you think that what you're doing and how you are choosing to live will matter in a hundred years? And if so, why do you think that? That's it's a great question. When it comes into what we're doing here today with you creative, is it going to matter a hundred years from now? I'll say it this way. I think... There's an old adage in the marketing world. He who controls the media controls the world. Okay? So, who controls the TV networks? Who controls the movie studios? Who controls the record companies? These are not traditionally the pillars of our society. But in looking at this, I know that there are rooms I sat in that people, everybody in that room had an agenda. Mine differed from everybody in the room. But because of my reputation in what I do, the track record of results of what I do, they listened to me that if I wasn't in that room, other things in culture would have been affected and changed because I wasn't sitting in that room. And I knew sitting in that room, you must open your mouth and you must speak to the contrary of this initiative. This is the sole and only purpose you're in this room for today is to stop this. And it wasn't to stop momentum. It wasn't to stop the idea. It was this, they're trying to usher in a non-business agenda. 
They're trying to usher in a personal agenda into the business world. And those are two separate things. Somebody has to stay. Let's get back to the task at hand. Let's get back to what the goal is. This is a personal thing. This isn't that platform. And I've been in those rooms where I've said that and against great opposition had the whole room go, he's right, we're going with him. And I believe had I not been there in that room, mankind would have been exposed to things probably at a more accelerated rate. Parents forced to answer questions that are premature to be asked of children. Topics at the dinner table that are not topics at the dinner table. I believe I've been in those rooms to, st- to slow that process down. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If there is not somebody and in every realm of commerce, there needs to be a conductor. Somebody's got to be there that pulls the reins back or the horses, the horses get so carried away in the sprint, they take everybody off the, off the cliff is what they do. Somebody has to have the wherewithal that goes, this is careening out of control. We must pull back on the reins. Doesn't mean we can't have fun. Doesn't mean we have to be a stick in the mud. But this is not the time or the place. And that's where I feel like in you creative as a company has been there in influential moments in the entertainment world to change the conversation. And in some ways create inspiration to whoever's on the other side of the table to think of their own role differently. You're in an industry where it's very clear that the decisions that get made have an impact on a lot of people, but that's, it's not just a business thing. That's something that happens in life. Like the, the decisions that we make, the choices that we make, they have downline to them. Like people are affected and so what you are what you're saying then is that what you you believe that what you're doing is going to matter in 100 years because you've been able to change the conversation to influence some decisions that are made and because of that people everyday people are going to be exposed to different things. There's a whole lot of others of me doing that uh, and we kind of work together. To, you know, and I think it preserves it preserves things in culture that really, once we uncork the genie's lamp or open the Pandora's box, the people crying to open it will be screaming to reclose it. I think they will because they aren't they're thinking about what they'll get out of opening the box. They're not thinking about everything that comes out of the box. And they will regret opening the very thing they're screaming for. I believe that 100%. Because I know that for myself. There are things, the things I begged to get didn't end up being what I thought. In fact, were more empty than I could have ever imagined in many verticals in my life. And, and I've done my share of stupid. I've done my share of compromises. The, you know, you get in the room with someone, that a celebrity, and that celebrity says, hey, Ron, I really connect with you. I want you involved in this. I want you involved in this. I've said yes to a whole lot of things I didn't know what I was saying yes to because of who was saying it to me or asking me. And I'm like, wow, I'm being brought into the inner sanctum of some, some real influencers right here. And this is going to really help me change the conversation. But what I was agreeing to on the outset 
I remember, I remember sending an email one night from Hollywood and said, everybody do your homework on X, Y, and Z. When I get back, uh, when I touch down, I'm not going home. I'm coming straight to the office, and we have to have an immediate brainstorm to get into the minutia of this, but this is going to be a huge opportunity for us. As soon as I walked in the back door, someone said to me, you don't even know what you sent an email on. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, you know nothing about what you even sent anything on. I said, mm, I know this and this. And they said, you've not... You said yes and didn't even know what you were saying yes to. I said, tell me what I'm missing. And they told me, they said, you would have never said yes to this. But I, I said yes. And at that point, I didn't back away. I went ahead and said, the guy I said yes to, I have a responsibility to him to do what I said. And I did what I said with the plan of having a greater impact on him and building trust with him. That did happen. He and I have a very close relationship. We've done a lot of projects together. And because of that, we've shaped a lot of culture together. And for the better. But I regret the original decision that I said yes to. And saying yes to that original decision most likely would have slammed all the other doors after it. So it's, I could beat myself up all day long for saying yes, but it is what it is. And I have to go, there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's been positive that came out of it. But there were concessions and compromises along the way that, to my regret, I wish didn't happen. Most of the world goes to work and hates their job. Most of us aren't doing what we really want to be doing. I feel very blessed to be doing something I'm very content with. But I'm not satisfied. There's more I want to do. The bucket list is very large. So, uh, you know, I'm quickly looking for those people around me that I can raise from within to where I can go to the thing that I need, that I'm supposed to be doing next. Well, Ron clearly demonstrated the fact that he lives with no pretense. He lives authentically as himself without a mask. There is no image that he's trying to uphold. Ron is Ron, unapologetically, and that is a beautiful thing. So this makes us think of things like our culture is constantly asking us to portray an image of our life that is altogether, that we always have to be perfect. We're performing for the world, which is our audience, or so we think. There are a couple problems with that statement right there, one of which says that I am the most important thing in this story that happens around me. Um, Number two, I have to pretend to be a character that I actually am not. So I think that Ron clearly illustrates how being yourself and finding purpose um, that integrates with what makes you happy is a great way to find satisfaction and joy in your work. Uh, It's not always the glamorous lifestyle that impacts our communities, but small intentional decisions to connect ourselves with others is something that can bring new beauty to our neighborhoods. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the One Small Difference podcast. We've had a blast. Hopefully you have as well. Uh, A couple ways that you can engage with us, you can rate and review this podcast. That'd be super great because it does help other people find it. You can also follow us on Instagram. One underscore small underscore difference. Share this podcast with people that you think would benefit from it. Your friends, your neighbors, your mom and dad. These are great ideas. You can support and explore the concepts that we've laid out here. Um, This is something that 
these people that we've talked with have done for us. And you can do that by patronizing these businesses, go in and see what kind of difference they have. Ultimately, I think these concepts can challenge us to think about the way that we make decisions every day and appreciate the ramifications it has in our daily life. Yeah, and really, we believe that these little small differences can add up to really big differences long term. And so go out and live today in a way that will matter in 100 years. Shalom. Shalom.